0: Welcome to Tuned to Yesterday, showcasing programs from radios yesteryear. I'm your host, Mark Levonier. Coming up in this hour, sitcoms. Later on, we hear the very talented Parker Fennelly as Mr. Feathers. But right now, it's Eve Varden starring as Our Miss Brooks in this comedy broadcast from CBS, heard on the 11th of September, 1949.
1: Our Miss Brooks starring Eve Arden. Miss Brooks, written and directed by Al Lewis.
2: Many teachers returning from their vacations, well-tanned and rested, are looking forward to resuming their duties tomorrow morning. But our Miss Brooks, who spent most of her vacation time teaching English at Madison High Summer School, doesn't share their enthusiasm for getting back into harness.
3: No, I've been wearing the thing so long, I'm (laughs) saddle (laughs) sore. Of course, when summer school ended in August, I did make up my mind to get a complete change of scenery. So I took the money I received, added it to my savings from the regular school term, and by careful budgeting, was able to spend three glorious weeks in the furnished room I rent all year round. (laughs) But last Thursday morning at breakfast, my landlady, Mrs. Davis, and I were discussing my plans for a Friday picnic. But why must the picnic be tomorrow, Connie? Why not Saturday or Sunday? Because, Mrs. Davis, tomorrow is the last weekday I'll have off until Thanksgiving. And if our beloved principal could get away with it, he'd change that to a Sunday.
2: (laughs) Oh, Mr. Conklin isn't that bad, Connie. He likes a good time as well
3: as the next fellow. He likes a good time better than the next fellow. But if the next fellow happens to be a teacher, Mr. Conklin will stop having a good time to give the teacher who's having a good time a bad time.
4: <laughs> a song
3: by Rudy Valley. Oh. Is uh, Mr. Boynton taking you to the picnic, Connie? Yes, Mrs. Davis. I accepted my invitation on the phone last night. <laughs> It'll be good to see Madison's bashful biologist again. He just got back from a three-week vacation, you know. Who will all is going on this picnic, darling? Harriet Conklin and Walter Denton all. (laughs) It was really Walter's idea. The poor kid can't spend any time with Harriet without Mr. Conklin constantly barking at him. Mr. Conklin isn't very fond of Walter, is he? Oh, it's not that Mr. Conklin isn't fond of Walter. He hates him. (laughs) But it ought to be a nice outing for all of us. Oh, that's the door, isn't it? No, that's the bell. The door makes more of a creaking sound. Oh. Well, I'll answer it. I need the exercise. If you want me, I'll be in the backyard, Connie. I've got to prune the peach tree. Why, it's Mr. Boynton. Come in. Uh,
5: good morning, Miss Brooks. I brought this basket over for the picnic tomorrow. Do you think it's big enough for us?
3: I don't know, but it might be fun trying it on. <laughs> How you mean for sandwiches? Well, it seems sort of small, but the basket can weigh. I want to know all about your vacation. Where you went, what you did.
5: Well, I just went up to Eagle Springs, had a beautiful cabin, did a little fishing, played some golf and tennis. I did a little rowing, too, and at night they had a campfire where we broiled or barbecued steaks, and after that there was usually a movie or some entertainment at the casino. That's all there was to it. You should have asked
3: for your money back. <laughs> Did you do any dancing at the casino, Mr. Boynton?
5: Dancing? Yes, I did dance a little. With whom? Oh. <laughs> I, uh, I, I didn't dance with anyone. Just... Just by myself. You know, I'd get off in a. i <laughs> well, I'd get off in a dark corner of the casino and sort of waltz around in time to the music.
3: It's nice that way. You get bored, you can always cut in on yourself. <laughs> Tell me, how was your trip back to town?
5: Oh, very pleasant, although the train was quite crowded. Guess who came into town on the same train with me?
3: Who?
5: I'll take a guess.
3: Edgar Bergen and Charlie McCarthy. No? Charlie McCarthy alone?
5: No, Miss Brooks. No, it was Wallace T. Hewitt. It was? Yes, ma'am.
3: Wallace T. Hewitt himself?
5: That's right.
3: Josh! Who's Wallace T. Hewitt? <laughs>
5: Surprised at you, Miss Brooks. I thought every teacher knew the chairman of the state board of education.
3: Oh, it was that Wallace T. Hewitt. Did you ask him for a raise, Mr. Boynton?
5: Oh, I know you're joking, Miss Brooks. I didn't speak to Mr. Hewitt at all. As soon as we landed in the depot, he was surrounded by reporters. Well, he's a power in educational circles in this state. It was all I could do to get a glimpse of him.
3: What does he look like?
5: Oh, he's quite short, almost completely bald, with a little wispy mustache and small beady eyes behind thick glasses.
3: Good-looking boy. <laughs>
5: And although he's very stout, he, he moves along rather briskly, like, like a penguin. I wonder what he's doing in town.
3: Maybe shopping around for a new tuxedo. <laughs> but let's not talk about the Board of Education, Mr. Boynton. Time enough for that when school opens next Monday. Hmm? You're
5: right, Miss Brooks. You haven't had a real vacation this summer. This picnic tomorrow ought to be...
3: Oh, it's the phone. Excuse me, Mr. Boynton. Hello?
2: Hello, Miss Brooks. This is Mr. Conklin.
3: Oh, how are you, Mr. Conklin? you to
2: dispense with the amenities. I'm calling to inform you that Madison High School will open tomorrow morning at the usual time.
3: Tomorrow? But school doesn't start till Monday.
2: I said, Miss Brooks, that our school opens tomorrow.
3: But, Mr. Conklin, Monday is September 12th. All schools open on the 12th.
2: I'm beginning to feel as if I were talking into a thermos bottle.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Miss Brooks,
2: just a short time ago, I received a telephone call from Mr. Wallace T. Hewitt chairman of the State Board of Education. Although I've never met Mr. Hewitt, he notified me of his intention to visit my office in the morning. Naturally, I expect a 100% turnout from faculty and student body alike to help me welcome this most distinguished visitor.
3: But Mr. Conklin, we've got a picnic planned for tomorrow. In a few minutes, Walter Denton's going to take me shopping. Walter
2: Denton? Please, Miss Brooks. I've asked you before, and I beseech you again, don't
3: Picnic, Mr. Boynton? Where? Down the drain, I'm afraid. Your precious Mr. Hewitt has decided to honor our fair school with a visit tomorrow morning. So Mr. Conklin's ordered us all back to greet him.
5: Tomorrow? But school doesn't open officially until Monday.
3: Believe me, Mr. Boynton, I delivered that message with all the feeling my parched little throat could muster. But the answer's the same it's the Bastille at dawn. <laughs> Be Walter Denton.
6: Why not? Hiya, Miss Brooks. <laughs> I just saw Mr. Boynton on the corner. I know. He just left. Walter, I've got some sterling news for you. Your news will have to wait, Miss Brooks. I've got the bulletin of all time. Oh, you have? Sure. Listen to this. You know how Mr. Conklin hates me.
4: <laughs> <laughs>
6: well, I wouldn't call him a fan, Walter. Yeah, I know. But even so, when he hears about anybody having a good time, even me, he sometimes tries to muscle in. So I thought up a way to keep him from ruining our picnic tomorrow if he decides to horn in at the last minute. Uh, But, Walter, about tomorrow... please, Miss Brooks, let me finish. About an hour ago, I called old Marblehead on the phone. I mean, Mr. Conklin. (laughs) And I put a handkerchief over the mouthpiece and disguised my voice. Oh, you should have been there, Miss Brooks. It was a riot. <laughs> so what did you say, Walter? I said, get a load of this, Miss Brooks. I said, hello, Conklin. And he said, yes, this is Osgood Conklin. Who is this? And then I said, look, this will kill you, Miss Brooks. <laughs> well, let's
3: not make it such a slow death. <laughs> so
6: who did you say it was? I said, Conklin, this is Wallace T. Hewitt. Wallace T. Oh, no! and then I said, I'm inspecting some of the schools in this area, and I'll expect to see you in your office at 9 o'clock tomorrow morning. (laughs) And then while he was falling all over himself to be nice to me, (laughs) I hung up. (laughs) Is that a rib or is that a rib?
3: That, Walter, is the greatest rib that's been pulled since Adam was a bachelor. (laughs) I spent most of Thursday night trying to figure how to keep Walter Denton from being expelled and still go on our picnic Friday, instead of waiting around school for a Mr. Hewitt who would never arrive. About four in the morning, an idea was born, and a thoroughbred infant it was, out of desperation by panic. (laughs) A half hour before school was due to convene, found me heading for Marty's Malt Shop, a student hangout across the street from Madison. As I entered, I noticed Stretch Snodgrass, known to his chums as Athlete's Foot of the Brain, (laughs) seated at a table by himself. Good morning, Stretch. Am I intruding? No, Miss Brooks. You
7: don't look no different to me than you always do. (laughs) Thank you. I think.
3: Mind if I sit down and have a cup of coffee?
7: Not at all. Here, I'll take this off the seat for you. It's my football.
3: Yes, I know. That's the only thing you've passed all year. <laughs> but, Stretch, there's something you've just got to understand.
7: Yeah, there must be
4: something. <laughs>
3: now I'm not so sure. But it seems that a very dear mutual friend of ours engineered a rather foolish prank yesterday. And if the facts ever leak out, he'll be expelled from Madison. You and I, Stretch, hold his scholastic future in our hands. Now, how good are you at keeping a secret?
7: Oh, I'm very good, Miss Brooks. Like yesterday when my pal Walter Dent imitated Mr. Hewitt's voice on the phone and told old Marble had the... Oh, Mr. Conklin, he better high-tail it over to school today. After Walter done it, he made me promise to keep it a secret. So that's why I won't tell nobody. Not a (laughs) word of it.
3: (laughs) Not a word of what, Stretch? Well, Walter told
7: Oh, no, you don't. You can't trick me into spilling anything. (laughs) You couldn't beat it out of me with a rubber hose. Stout
3: fella. (laughs) But, Stretch, the entire faculty and student body have to be in school this morning only because Walter imitated Mr. Hewitt's voice on the phone and told old Marblehead, uh, Mr. Conklin, to hightail it over to school today. Gosh, how did you know that, Miss Brooks? There must have been a leak.
4: (laughs) I've got
3: an idea that can get us all out of here. Now, will you help me, Stretch? Sure, Miss Brooks. What can I do? Well, you can see to it that Mr. Hewitt arrives nice and early so we can all leave the same way. But I don't know Mr. Hewitt. And Mr. Conklin doesn't either. Now, listen closely, Stretch. You know the little park right across from the school library? Library? Where all the books are kept. (laughs) Books? It's on the way to the football field. Oh, that little park. Sure, I
2: know where that is. There's always a bunch of old Delericks sitting around there.
3: <laughs> old what? Delericks. You know, bum sort of. Oh, uh, now we're getting somewhere. <laughs> Stretch, I want you to get one of those men and bring him to me. But be sure you get a fat one with glasses who has a little mustache. Mr. Conklin might have seen a picture of Mr. Hewitt somewhere. Well, that
2: shouldn't be too tough. A lot of them look like that.
3: But, Miss Brooks, supposing he don't want to come? He's got to come. Tell him he'll be helping a human being in distress. Tell him anything, but bring him directly to me. I don't get him, Miss Brooks. Why should A quiet, Stretch. Harriet Conklin's coming over. Now, whatever you do, don't mention a word of this. Good morning, Miss Brooks. Well, shut Stretch's mouth if it isn't Harriet Conklin. (laughs) How are you, Harriet? Oh, I feel wonderful, Miss Brooks. Hiya,
6: Stretch. What do you know?
7: You couldn't beat it out of me with a rubber hose. What's
6: wrong with Stretch,
3: Miss Brooks? He ain't talking. Now, (laughs) Stretch, you'd better go over to the park and do what I told you. I'll explain to Harriet and get her oath of allegiance on our way over to school. All right, Miss Brooks. Remember now, get a small, chubby one with glasses.
7: I'll remember. See you later, Harriet. What's this all about, Miss Brooks? What did you send Stretch after?
3: A penguin, Harriet.
7: With glasses?
3: Why not? A penguin's entitled to see where he's going, isn't he?
7: I don't understand this. Boy, of all the people in the park, why did you have to pick on me? Because you were so nice and round. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, like I told you, mister, it's a matter of helping out a human being. Besides, you wasn't doing nothing in the park. I wasn't doing nothing? Who teaches you English, boy? Miss Brooks. Well, there she is waiting on the steps. I'll introduce her to you in a minute. Well, what's your name? My name is Hewitt. Wallace T. Hewitt, Chairman of the State Board of Education. <laughs> <laughs> uh, excuse me a minute. Where are you going? I better go back to the park and get another one. <laughs> Nonsense. You've aroused my curiosity now, and I'm going to see this thing through.
3: Hello, Stretch.
7: Miss Brooks. This is Mr. Hewitt.
3: Oh, it certainly is. Oh, he's perfect, Stretch. Yes. Perfect. But, Miss Brooks,
7: this really is Mr.
3: Hewitt. I'll say from the top of his shiny skull to the tips of his waddly little toes.
7: Now, see here, young woman. I demand to know what this is all about. First, I'm sitting in the park reading. And... The
3: want ads can wait, Chubby. I've got a job for you. Oh. <laughs> For me? It'll only take a few minutes, and I'll see that you get a dollar for your trouble. A dollar? (laughs) Kid is really anxious. We could probably have swung it for a quarter. (laughs) Now, listen carefully, Hewitt. I'll be calling you by that name from here in, so we might as well get used to it. All you've got to do is convince Mr. Conklin, our principal, that you're Mr. Hewitt, chairman of the State Board of Education.
2: I see. Do you
7: think my card might help to convince him? I've got some in my wallet here. There we are. The uh, cards are right in this little compartment. Uh, See where my name is printed
3: in gold letters? Wallace T. Hewitt. Quick stretch, call a cop. This bum has just murdered Mr. Hewitt.
7: (laughs) Murdered? Now look here, young woman, this has gone far enough. Fortunately, I'm just proud enough of my position to carry with me a newspaper photo which appeared last month. Here, look at it.
3: Wallace T. Hewitt, chairman of the State Board of Education. Stretch, it's him. Sure, it's
7: him. Of course it's him. Me.
3: (laughs) Why, Mr. Hewitt, we we knew it was you all the time.
7: You did, huh? But you said I waddled and that I murdered myself.
3: Well, that was all part of the joke, Mr. Hewitt. You see, one of our teachers came back on the same train with you from Eagle Springs. You didn't see him, of course, but he couldn't help observing what a jovial, good natured, jolly sort of person you are.
7: Well, I do have quite a good sense of humor about some things. (laughs) But another explanation seems in order, Miss Brooks. Why are so many students roaming about the campus? School doesn't start until next Monday. Well, that's because our principal, Mr. Conklin, wanted us to get a head start. Really? Well, that is unusual. I'd like to meet Mr. Conklin while I'm here.
3: Oh no, you wouldn't. He's not in on the rib. Huh? I mean, uh, <laughs> uh, that is, with such a distinguished visitor, I'd like to tell him you're here first. You know, give him a chance to run a comb through his tie and fix the knot in his hair. <laughs> <laughs>
7: But my dear Miss Brooks.
3: Oh, please, now. Mr. Hewitt, take a little stroll around the grounds, and I'll meet you at Mr. Conklin's office in a few minutes. Well,
7: if it'll make you feel more comfortable to announce me. But uh, how will I find Mr. Conklin's office?
3: You can't miss it. When you come back to the main building, you'll see a door with a gray-haired English teacher in a straitjacket in front of it. Just push me aside and walk right in. <laughs>
6: He told me he'd be right over here giving the athletic field a last-minute check. Have you seen him, Walter? No, Harriet, but he might be in the gym. Gosh, I'm nervous as a kitten. If your dad finds out we're hiring a hobo to impersonate Mr. Hewitt, we'll be boiled in oil. Oh, he won't find out. We'll just have to be real cagey about it.
8: I wonder where Daddy could be.
2: I'm right here behind the handball court, my dear.
8: Mr. Conklin!
2: (laughs) So I'm to be duped, am I? By an impersonator, eh? A hobo, eh? Well.
5: But, Miss Brooks, I don't understand. Why am I sitting behind Mr. Conklin's desk?
3: Because, Mr. Boynton, with the real Mr. Hewitt on our hands, we've got to have a fake Mr. Conklin. And outside of Mr. Conklin, you're the best fake I could find. (laughs) but he might
5: come back to his office. Well, we've
3: just got to take that chance. If Mr. Hewitt talks to Mr. Conklin and the truth about that phone call comes out, Walter Denton will be expelled.
5: Gee, I wouldn't want that to happen. Well,
3: then we've got to see this thing through. Mr. Hewitt should be finishing his tour of... Come in. Well,
5: Miss Brooks, I'm back.
3: Good. Mr. Conklin here has just been perishing to meet you. Mr. Conklin, may I present Mr. Hewitt?
5: Uh, How do you do, sir? So you're Mr. Conklin.
7: Tell me, how long have you been the principal of Madison High School?
3: Uh, not long at all.
7: <laughs> I imagined as much. You're a very young man to be holding this high office, Mr. Conklin. And I might add, a very handsome young man.
3: Isn't he a doll? <laughs> Mr. Hewitt, you won't catch many principals jumping the gun like this, uh, coming to school ahead of time.
5: Hey, that's very true, Miss Brooks.
7: I'll certainly mention this in my report to the board. I'm
5: returning to the state capitol in a couple of hours, you know. Oh, really? Then we wouldn't want you to miss your train, sir. Now that we've met you, maybe we ought to let you get out. Uh, but uh,
3: fast. <laughs> I'll show you the shortcut to the bus line if you'll just follow me out this door. And we go...
2: Going somewhere, Miss Brooks?
3: Not me. I'm rooted to the spot. <laughs>
2: Good. And this, I presume, is Mr. Hewitt. That's right, Mr. Wallace T. Hewitt. Yes, Chairman of the State Board of Education. Is that is correct?
4: Get out of this office, you hobo! <laughs>
7: hobo! Pack up your spindle and hit the road. <laughs> this has gone far enough, Mr. Conklin. Did you hear what I just heard? Of, of course, course I, I heard. heard. What's the meaning of this?
4: Something wrong, Mr. Hewitt. <laughs> wrong!
7: This, this hobo just called me a hobo. Do I have to show everyone in town my picture in the paper to prove I'm not a vagrant? Here, take a look at this, you oaf.
2: Op- <laughs> Wallace T. Hewitt, chairman of the state. <laughs> it's you.
7: see that the board hears of this outrageous affair. Now, what's your name?
2: My uh, name? Yes, your name. My name is... uh, Denton, Walter Denton. (laughs) I presume
7: you're a member of the Madison High Faculty?
2: Uh, Faculty? Uh, No, no, sir, I'm a student here.
3: You?
6: G.I. Bill of Rights.
3: <laughs> he's making up some credits so he can get into grade school.
6: Hi, <laughs> Miss Brooks. The door was open, so I just... Oh, Mr. Conklin. Yes? yes. Uh, 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 this is Mr. Hewitt. Mr. Wallace T. Hewitt. It's no use. The jig's up, Miss Brooks. Mr. Conklin knows he's just a hobo. The... <laughs> Again, hobo. What
2: is your name, young man? Me? Uh, uh, that's my pal, Mr. Hewitt, one of my dearest buddies here at school. Uh, uh, Stretch Snodgrass. <laughs> Take hands with Mr. Hewitt, Stretch.
7: Stretch? somebody much in
4: my name?
3: Not yet, but we will in a minute. Mr. Hewitt, this is the boy who asked you to join us while you were sitting in the park. Meet Philip Boynton. <laughs>
7: I don't think I'm quite following the goings on here today, but I've just got to make that train. Let me tell you one thing, though, Mr. Conklin. Yes? Will you please stop putting in, Denton? I'm sorry, sorry, Mr. Mr.
4: Hewitt.
3: They've been with the Glee Club too long.
7: I just want you to know that in spite of my sense of humor. I consider this incident a grievous insult to a man in my position, and I'm going to take action immediately. But, Mr. Hewitt, what action are you going to take? I'm going to see to it that a certain Walter Denton is expelled from this school. Expelled? (laughs) Expelled? Expelled.
3: Boy, I'm glad I'm not in their shoes. Young woman,
7: as the instigator of this degrading practical joke, you shall be as severely penalized as the state board permits and I shall take great pleasure in recommending your immediate suspension without pay. Now, Miss Brooks, what do you say to that? Well, Miss Brooks? Miss Brooks? Who's Miss Brooks?
3: (laughs) What? Well, if you're not Miss Brooks, then who are you? Mr. Hewitt, shake hands with Sam, the janitor. (laughs) what started out as a pretty dangerous practical joke soon proved to be nothing more than a clean cut wholesome shambles (laughs) but by mass pleading and a pint of quickly generated tears we finally prevailed upon mr hewitt to suspend sentence and at long last we were off on our picnic in less than an hour mr boynton
6: had driven us about 30 miles from town
5: well, it took us a little while, but we can still have some fun.
6: Sure we can. It's a beautiful day, and the ride's just swell. Don't you think so, Miss Brooks? I
3: certainly do, Walter. Your car drives beautifully, Mr. Boynton. So much smoother than mine.
5: Oh, thanks, Miss Brooks.
3: But you know something? I can't help wishing we had taken my car instead.
5: Why, Miss Brooks?
3: Because that's where I left the picnic basket. week,
4: would
1: to you by lustric cream shampoos of soft, glamorous, flessible hair, and colgate metal cream to clean your breath while you clean your teeth and help stop tooth decay.
0: Our Miss Brooks on Tuned Two yesterday, one of the most listened to sitcoms during its golden era, that CBS broadcast from September eleventh, nineteen forty-nine. It's an hour of sitcoms on Tuned to Yesterday. I'm your host, Mark LeVonier. And now a short-run series with only two broadcasts that have survived the test of time. It's an episode of Mr. Feathers. On the air from November of 1949 through August of 1950 on the Mutual Broadcasting System, actor Parker Fennelly, who is best known for his characterizations on The Fred Allen Show, including that of Titus Moody, is the star next in this Mutual Broadcast from November 23, 1949.
5: Parker
1: family as Mr. Feathers. Well, yes. It
9: seems to me there's just two kinds of people in the world. The people that go around helping other people and the other people.
1: Mr. Feathers does unto others. Mr. Feathers, an original story for radio by Gerald Holland, starring Parker Fenway. Mr. Feathers, a man not quite like any next-door neighbor you ever had. Mr. Feathers at grips with life in the untroubled and quite untypical town of Pike City. Since the Pike City Pharmacy opens its doors at 8 o'clock in the morning and does not close them again until 10 at night... Jasper Gowdy, the proprietor, has an arrangement with Mr. Feathers, his chief clerk and apothecary. Now, under this arrangement, Mr. Feathers opens up the store every other week. Then Jasper himself takes over this early morning chore for a similar period. Yes, it's an arrangement which Mr. Feathers likes very much, on the ground that it lends added variety to a life Mr. Feathers considers to be already full. Well, this happens to be Mr. Feathers' late week, and so we find him dawdling over a late breakfast, and listening to one of his favorite radio programs.
8: Oh, that poor woman, what she's been through. She's
10: now, now, Mrs. Foxhunter, you've got to pull yourself together. There's nothing for you to cry about now.
8: Oh, these are tears of happiness, Mr. Goodboy. I'm crying for joy. There,
4: there.
8: Thanks to you, Mr. Goodboy, my husband will not die in the electric chair after all but will be reunited with his little family in time for Thanksgiving dinner. Yes,
10: the governor himself gave me his word on that. The new evidence I dug up proves beyond all doubt that your husband did not murder the mysterious stranger, Horace Dodd.
8: Who did kill Horace Dodd, Mr. Goodboy?
10: Why, some man he wronged years ago killed Mr. Dodd.
8: Is that so? Oh, Mr. Goodboy, I I think you must be the kindest... wisest man in all the world.
10: Well, I don't know about that. All I know is that I try to help others as much as I can. It's the only real happiness a man can find in this world. I'm glad I was able to help you, Mrs. Foxhunter. Now, if you'll excuse me, there's a widow lady due to be evicted. And I aim to save her a little homestead on my way to lunch. Good day, ma'am.
8: Oh, good day, Mr. Goodboy.
10: Well.
8: And bless you so Sister...
9: That means it's time for me to get started for the drugstore.
8: Oh, isn't he a wonderful man? Who's that? Oh, Mr. Goodboy, dear. You know, the way he's always helping other people.
9: Oh, yes, yes. Well, he's certainly been hitting it up here lately. Hmm? I don't believe he's cut a head of hair at his barber shop in the past month.
8: You know, dear, I believe Mr. Goodboy is absolutely right when he says that the only real happiness lies in helping other folks.
9: Why, I wouldn't take issue with him on that, no.
8: You know, I just wonder if we do enough for other folks.
9: Well, we don't know anybody facing a murder charge at the moment. Oh, it
8: wouldn't have to be anything as serious as that. We'd help folks in a little way. For instance, now, you've got such a wonderful philosophy of life. You know, you could probably advise people who are
5: troubled.
9: Well, yes, yes, that's so. Howsomever, I ain't been approached for advice here lately, unless you count Miss Fry and her itch. My all purpose ointment cured that up overnight.
8: Oh, I was thinking more of folks with, with emotional problems, dear. You know, you meet so many people at the drugstore, and I'm sure lots of them are well, secretly troubled about something.
9: Why, that may be. Uh... I'll
8: bet you could be the Mr. Good Boy of Pike City. You set your mind to it. Oh,
9: I don't know about that. Well, I do. Why, I hardly think I could be another Mr. Good Boy. ever Bunny, I'll be on the lookout for a chance to be helpful where I can. Hand me my Derby. Oh.
8: Yes, dear,
9: he does. Oh, Mr. Feathers. Good morning. The Mr. Good Boy of Pike City. Oh, yes, yes, I don't see any reason why not.
11: Hi, Mr. Feathers.
9: What? Oh, hello, hello there, Norbert. Out on the bicycle delivery detail, are you? Yes, sir.
11: Mrs. Fry phoned in a rush order for two jars of your all-purpose.
9: Oh, gracious.
11: Has her itch started up again? No, sir. She said her washing machine broke down. She wants to grease the gears.
9: Oh, well, I'm glad to hear it ain't the itch. Didn't I see you going into the movie last Saturday night with a certain young lady?
11: Me? Ah, Oh, yeah. That oh, was Miss Emma Klaus. I see. Do you care for her? I admire her mind very much, Mr. Feathers. I don't think her father likes me. Oh? And you asked me
9: whether you have the right to marry this girl over her parents' objections.
11: Oh, no, I didn't say that.
9: My answer to you, boy, is yes. But. Her father, Oscar Klaus, has lived his own life. He still is living. And it. now he mustn't deny you young people your right to happiness. I, I think Mr. Goodboy would bear me out on that. But. My gracious, look at the time. But,
11: Mr. Feathers,
9: do I have to
11: marry Miss Emma Klaus?
9: No, but Mr. Goodboy had a similar case on the radio not two weeks ago. Excuse but, me,
11: Norbert, but I've got to get to work now. Gee, I wasn't thinking of getting married. Golly, I'm not old enough. I'll see you at the drugstore, Norbert. <laughs> Park City Pharmacy, Mr. Gowdy speaking. May I speak
10: to Mr.
8: Corbett, please. Yeah, who's that? I'd like to speak to Mr. Corbett, please.
10: There's no Mr. Corbett here.
8: Is this the Pike City Pharmacy? Yes, yes. Well, then will you please connect me with the floor manager, Mr. Norbert Corbett?
10: Norbert Corbett? Who said he was floor manager? Mr.
8: Corbett himself said
10: so. Is that so? Will you tell Mr. Corbett himself that he's a delivery boy around here, and he won't be that long if he don't come? Will him? you
8: please take a message from Mr. Corbett?
10: Yeah, oh, all right. What's the message?
8: I dream of flowers in the spring. Ah, in the spring. And bluebirds singing on the wings. Oh, of rosebuds twining round the house. The house. Yours sincerely, Emma Klaus.
10: Klaus? What, what, what in prose gibberish is that? It's
8: not gibberish. Mr. Corbett and I exchange poems every day. Tell him he can reach me at home. Goodbye.
10: Oh, that idiot Norbert Corbett. The boldest puppet I've, I've ever heard. Good morning, Mr. Doughty. Oh, hello there, Mr. Feathers. I was afraid you were going to be late.
9: Late. Why, I've never been late in 28 years. And I believe I have a few minutes leeway on the clock up there. Yeah. Uh, if you doubt my word, why, we can get a time check from Western Union... Oh, and
10: Cox, there's no need for all that. Oh, look here. Dr. Bella's phoned in a prescription. It's
9: there by the telephone. Oh, yes. I dream of flowers in the spring and bluebirds... No, no,
10: no. That's the message for Norbert. The prescription's under that.
9: Oh, yes, I see.
10: Now, look, I'm going home to lunch now. If my wife calls, tell her I'm on my way. Why, I doubt if
9: she'll call at this present time, Mr. Oh, Gowdy. Oh, just tell her she can put the soup on the table. Huh?
10: What do, you, what do you mean you doubt if she'll call?
9: Why, I passed your house just a few minutes ago, and Miss Gowdy seemed to be entertaining the sweeper salesman. The
10: sweeper salesman?
9: Yes, I saw him going to the house.
10: Oh, that's impossible. He called on Mrs. Gowdy last week, and she told him she wasn't interested in the sweeper at this time.
9: Oh, well, then maybe he was calling on Miss Gowdy in connection with some other matter.
10: Yeah, huh? What, what other matter?
9: Why, I wouldn't want to speculate as to that. Excuse me, just let me get my jacket off the hook behind it, you there.
4: Uh, uh,
10: Mr. Feathers, you're positive you saw the sweeper salesman going to my house? Oh, yes. You're sure it wasn't somebody else?
9: Oh, no, it was the sweeper salesman. Oh. Howsoever, now that you mention it, he wasn't carrying no sweeper with him. Huh? No, it looked more like a, a suitcase or a small steamer trunk. Excuse me, would you yes, just oh. step to one side so as I can get a peek in the mirror? Yes, yes, he,
10: was, he was carrying a suitcase? I, I don't understand. Hey,
9: my all-purpose ointment has certainly made that cowlick of mine lay down flat, ain't it, Mr. Gully? What,
10: uh, what was he doing with a suitcase?
9: Well, as I say, it could have been a small trunk. You know, the kind that would go under a bed, but... I wish I wish you'd try some of the all-purpose ointment on your head, Mr. Gowdy. I'm convinced it'll grow hair. Oh, I, I
10: don't like the looks of all this.
9: Well. New train. Hey! hey
10: Mr. Feathers. Hmm? Mr. Feathers, please, be quiet. Oh, all right. Hmm. She don't answer.
8: Maybe he's... Oh. oh, won't he be surprised? Oh. <laughs> Hello?
10: Sarah Gowdy, what are you laughing at? Mm. Sheriff, what's going on over there?
8: Hello, who is this?
10: This just happens to be your husband.
8: Oh, hello, Jasper. I'm glad you called. Yeah. Yes, I was just going to call you.
10: Is that so? I
8: was going to tell you to have your lunch downtown. i got to go out for a while.
10: Go out? Who is
8: why, Well, I thought I'd drop in Bunny feathers about something. <laughs> oh, that hot along, Cassidy. <laughs> what are you laughing at? Uh, oh, oh, nothing. Uh, I'll be home in time to pick supper. Bye, Jasper. <sighs>
4: Oh,
10: gracious. Oh, my forever. Well, what's the matter, Mr. Gulley? Oh, Mr. Feathers, Mr. Feathers, my, my wife, she was laughing her head off. Well, that's good. I like a cheerful woman round the house. But, man, don't you realize what's going on? That sweeper salesman's there. What?
9: Oh, yes.
10: Well, maybe he's got a good stock of funny stories. Mr. Feathers, this is serious. Do you... Do you think Sarah Gotti could be falling for that fellow and he could be making a play for her?
9: Why, I doubt if anybody would want to sell a sweeper that bad. My huh? well, gracious, if what you say is true, this is the case. It's a case just of the kind that Mr. Goodboy has all the time on the radio. Who the dickens is Mr. Goodboy? Uh, yes, yes. This may have the makings of a first-class domestic tragedy. What am I going to do? Why, step back here in the prescription department, Mr. Gowdy. You and me is going to have a long talk, man to man. Can you help me, Mr. Feathers? Uh, yes, this case is uh, it's practically ready for broadcast right now. Who is the mysterious sweeper salesman? What happened to his demonstrating machine? Will Sarah Gowdy do something foolish, and what does it all mean to Mr. Feathers? Mr. Corbett! Mr.
11: Corbett! Oh, hello, oh, Miss Claus. Could I speak to you for a minute, Mr. Corbett? Why, certainly, Miss Klaus. Huh? I was just thinking about you. Were oh, you really? Oh, you're a wonderful bicycle rider, Mr. Corbett. Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah, think so. Oh, I certainly do. Well, I like to ride. When I'm riding along, I feel... I feel, uh, free. Oh, I know what you mean, Mr. Corbett. Yeah. Somehow, I think you do understand. Did you get my message at the drugstore, Mr. Corbett? No, I didn't. Aren't you working today? Oh, I suppose I must. One carries on, mm-hmm. you know. I haven't felt like working today, I... Oh, it's just like riding around. I wanted to think. I understand. I get that feeling often. Too bad you don't have a bicycle. Yes.
8: Oh, I wrote you a poem, Mr. Corvett. Oh,
11: you did? I was expecting one from you. Remember our agreement that we'd exchange a few lines of poetry each day? I haven't forgotten. I've been working on something. It's not quite right yet, though. Oh, please tell me what you've written so far. Well, it's pretty rough. I've got to polish it up. Why don't mind. Well... I start out saying baseball park. The wail of a train whistle after dark. The tolling bell in the church's steeple. The wind and the rain and the little people. The river racing out to the sea. This is what Pike City means to me. That's as far as I got. It's beautiful. I've never heard anything like it. Thank you. I believe it says
8: something. Oh it does. It definitely does.
11: Miss Klaus, there's something I want to say to you. Yes, Mr. Corbett? For the past hour I, I've been riding around town on my bike here, plumbing the very depths of my soul. Trying to make the most important decision of my life. Oh yes, Mr. Carby? This decision may affect you, Miss Klaus. Oh,
8: I, I wish you'd call me Emma.
11: Oh, I don't think I have that right just now. I think I may need further counsel from a very wise friend of mine. Perhaps you know him, Mr. Feather.
8: Oh, of course. He makes wonderful maltids. Oh, but what decision are you trying to make, Mr.
11: Corbett? I. <clears throat> I am trying to decide whether you and I. Yes, yes, Mr. Corbett? No. No, I'm not yet free to speak no. what's in my heart. I must ride some more and think this thing out. I may call you a little later, Mr. Klaus.
10: Farewell. Farewell, Mr. Carney. I'll be at home all evening. What I should have done is gone home and had it out with Sarah tooth and
9: nails. Why, my gracious, that would have been the worst possible thing to do. You think so? If Mr. Goodboy had used them methods, why, I imagine he'd have lost his sponsor years ago. Who oh, the Dickens is Mr. Goodboy. Oh. Mr. Goodboy is just an old gentleman that tries to be helpful to other people. I'm I'm following his rules of conduct in your case, Mr. Gowdy.
10: Then will you tell me you, why you have to rub your on all-purpose right into my
9: scalp? Yes, I'll be glad to, sir. Now, just sit back in the chair, if you will. Yes. One more jar ought to do the trick. Do what trick? Why, grow hair on your bald head. That's what trick. I don't want hair. I want my wife to come to her senses. Yes, I know. Of course you do. And that's exactly what I'm trying to bring about. Well, I don't follow you, Mr. Feathers. All right, sir. I'll explain. Some weeks ago, when I was working the late shift at the store here, I had the privilege of hearing Mr. Goodboy's radio program for five mornings in a row. I don't see what difference that makes. The problem... Facing Mr. Goodboy at that time was a husband carrying on with another woman. Yeah. He was a mortician. She was a lady embalmer. Now, that poor wife, she come to Mr. Goodboy and laid her cards right on the table. Yes, yes. What'll I do, Mr. Goodboy, she says. Should I hire a private detective? In other words, a private eye. Should I have it out with my husband, tooth and nail? Yeah, that's what I think I should do. Or Or, she says, should I pretend not to notice what's going on under my very nose.
10: And what did Mr. Goodboy advise?
9: He advised that wife to take no notice of the hijinks in the morgue. On the contrary, he said for her to start acting gay and carefree, to get herself a home permanent wave set, to manicure her nails, and, in general, to doll herself up like a circus horse. Yes, yes, and what happened? Why, just what Mr. Goodboy expected would happen. The husband woke up to the fact that his wife was dressed to the to the eyebrows and he fell in love with her all over again. Did the uh, Lady Umama make trouble for him? Oh, she didn't dare. Mr. Goodboy had the goods on her. No. And, yes. He'd been lying on a nearby slab, pretending to be a corpse, and had enough evidence to run her right out of town. See, that was a pretty cute trick. Oh, yes. Well, all his tricks are cute. Now, do you follow my reasoning, Mr. Gowdy? Do you see that I'm just reversing Mr. Goodboy's formula? Reverse. Yes, since in this case it's the wife that seems to be straying away. I'm advising you to spruce up to the point where your wife will fall in love with you all over again. Well, it makes sense, I guess, but ain't that about enough of that ointment on my head? Why, yes, yes, I believe so. Meanwhile, I suggest that you race down to Max 5th Avenue men's store and get yourself a British lounge model suit. With the wide shoulders and the hair that I'm hoping to grow, I think that Sarah won't find it hard to make a choice between you and a sweeper salesman.
10: Well, yeah, wait a minute, Mr. Feathers. Look here, this thing's going to run into money. You
9: want to hold your wife, don't you? Well, yes, if the price isn't too far out of line. All right, look at it this way, Mr. Gowdy. Yeah. No matter how it turns out... You need a new suit of clothes, anyway. Yeah, I suppose you're right. Oh, you better answer that, Mr. Feathers. Pike City Pharmacy, Mr. Feathers. Uh, Mr. Feathers,
8: this is Bonnie. Uh, oh, yes. Is Mr. Gowdy there? Yes. Well, I don't want him to know that I'm calling. Sarah Gowdy's just been here, and she wants us for dinner Thanksgiving.
9: Oh, but look here. Wasn't you planning to have a carrot loaf at home?
8: Yes, but that'll keep. Now, Sarah particularly wants us at her house. She has a surprise for Mr. Gowdy. Huh.
9: I doubt if it'll be any surprise.
8: Oh, dear, does he suspect what Sarah's up to?
9: Everything, I'm afraid. Oh,
8: dear me. Well, we'll have to go just the same.
9: I presume turkey will be served. You know I can't eat that.
8: Yes, dear, but Sarah's having several vegetables.
9: All right. Tell her I prefer mine raw. I did, dear. I did. My gracious, I wouldn't break my vegetarian vow for any reason whatsoever.
8: She understands, dear. Now, be sure that Mr. Gowdy doesn't know anything about tomorrow.
9: Yes, I'll do my best. Well, goodbye, dear. Goodbye. Who was that? The gas company. Mr. Gowdy, you better get down to Max Fifth Avenue men's store just as fast as you can because there's no time to lose.
8: Oh, is it a beautiful day for Thanksgiving, dear?
9: Why, I ain't looked out as yet. I'm having a little trouble with this bow tie here. Let
8: me help you there. I
9: seem to be a little bit nervous. How do I
8: look? You look wonderful, dear. That may be a little bit tired. Uh, I
9: don't wonder at that. Gracious, I tossed and turned most of the night. Oh, I'm so sorry. There's more to this business of helping other people than I suspected. Now, now I know what Mr. Goodboy is up against on the radio.
8: Dear, I just don't understand just how you're helping Mr. Gowdy. Oh,
9: well, you'll understand after we get to his house for dinner. Oh, my gracious, look at the time. We're due at Jasper Gowdy's house right now. Ring the bell, will you, Bunny? All right.
8: You know, dear, I just didn't dream that the Gowdys were having a problem. She seemed so gay yesterday.
4: Yeah,
9: that's the trouble, her being too gay. Oh, just how do you mean? Shh, somebody's coming. Oh, excuse me. Oh,
10: hello, oh, Mr. Feathers, come on in. Yes, I'll be glad to.
8: Happy Thanksgiving, Mr. Gowdy.
10: Happy, that's a uh, hot one there, Mr. Feathers.
9: Well, we'll see, Mr. Gowdy. Say, that's a nice suit. Is that a British lounge?
10: Yeah. Well, that's awful becoming. Don't you think the shoulders are too wide? Uh, no, I wouldn't say so.
9: I can't get through the kitchen door with them. Not even sideways? Oh, possibly sideways,
8: yeah. I- I'll go and see if I can help Sarah. Yes,
9: all right, Bunny. How is everything, Mr.
10: Gowdy? I don't know. Mrs. Gowdy's acting awful peculiar. Keep it giggling all the time. And all right, all right. Now, don't give up too easy. She's got something up her sleeve, Maybe she's going to announce her plans at the dinner table. If so, or swear, I'll throw the turkey
9: right out her. Here they come.
8: Oh, well, dear, Mr. Feathers, it's so nice to see you. Isn't it a perfect day? Why,
9: I'll reserve decision on
8: that. Sarah wants us all to come into the living room. Oh, mm-hmm. Here it comes. <laughs> all right, steady, Mr. Goody. Oh, just wait till you see. Well, oh, dear, would you mind answering that, Mr. Feathers? Tell him I'll call back.
4: Yes,
9: all right. Gowdy Residence, Mr. Feathers, house guest. Begin?
11: Gee, I've been trying to get you everywhere, Mr. Feathers. Who is this? Norbert Corbett, Mr. Feathers.
9: Oh, oh, what's up, Norbert?
11: I'm calling from the Pittsfield Police Station, Mr. Feathers.
9: Oh, I see. Taking an interest in police work, are you, Norbert?
11: No, sir. I'm being detained here pending the arrival of Miss Emma Klaus's father.
9: Oh, my gracious. What What's happened?
11: I decided to elope with Miss Klaus, as you suggested, and her father sent out an alarm.
9: Norbert, I didn't mean for you to elope. You didn't? Gracious sakes, no. I, I I was just giving you Mr. Goodboy's philosophy for a future reference in years to come.
11: Oh. Well, I'll explain that to Mr. Klaus.
9: Is he pretty mad?
11: Yes, sir, but I told him he'd better think twice before punching you in the nose.
9: Oh, gracious, I hope so. Uh, no, but I'm I'm awful sorry that you have to spend your Thanksgiving in jail.
11: Oh, it's not so bad, Mr. Feathers. Me and this Klaus are having dinner with the other prisoners here. Chicken fricassee. Oh,
9: gracious. Well,
11: happy Thanksgiving to you, Mr. Feathers. The sergeant says i got to get off the wire.
9: Goodbye. Goodbye,
11: Norbert. <laughs> dear,
8: is, is Norbert all right?
9: Why, I suppose so, if you like chicken fricassee. Come into
11: the
8: living room, you two feathers.
10: Now, Sarah, I think the time has come for a showdown. Oh, just be patient, dear. Uh, Mr. Feathers, uh, stand here. Uh, and, uh, buddy, you okay. there. That puts me out here in the hall with these wide shoulders. Oh, there.
8: Now then, we're all ready. Jasper, I have a surprise for you.
9: Surprise? That's a laugh, ain't it, Mr. Gowdy? All right, Sarah, let's have it.
8: Bunny, will you be ready to remove the screen? Oh, I'll be glad to, Sarah. Now, would you like to guess what's behind the screen?
9: I guess it's the sweeper salesman. He's Uh, right, isn't he? uh... Sarah Gowdy... But, well, Jasper, what would the sweeper salesman be doing behind that screen? That's what Mr. Gowdy here would like to know.
8: I don't understand. In the first place, the sweeper salesman doesn't sell sweepers anymore. Well,
9: no? Say, this may alter the case. What does he
10: sell, if I may ask? And Bunny,
8: remove the screen and show him. All right, just a minute. There. Now, what do you say, Jasper Gowdy? Why... What is it? Why, it's a television set. That's what the sweeper salesman is selling now. Thanksgiving surprise for you, dear.
9: For me? According to that television machine, we're in for a blizzard.
8: With all my love, Jasper.
9: Oh,
10: my goodness, Sarah, I owe you an apology. I'm, I'm, I don't know what to say. I'm, I'm terribly embarrassed. Mr. Feathers, you got me into this mess. You're the one that put the idea in my head that Sarah was carrying on with the sweeper salesman. And I
4: was...
8: Well, now, look here, I... Oh, dear. Yes, oh, dear.
10: Mr. Feathers, you planted the poison in my mind. And you made me buy this infernal suit. I was only following the philosophy of Mr. Goodboy.
8: Oh, Mr. Feathers, you've besmirched my fair name. I'll
10: say he has, not under the circumstances,
9: I think the turkey dinner invitation is hereby withdrawn.
8: Mr. Feathers will apologize, oh, won't you, dear?
9: No, no. I guess this thing has gone way past the apology stage. I think we better go, Miss Feathers... I believe we have a carrot loaf on hand at home with which to celebrate the holiday. When
10: I think of all you put me through, poisoning my mind, making me buy this suit, rubbing your confounded all-purpose ointment into my scalp, almost breaking up my home. Come on,
9: buddy. Let's go.
8: What? What? What in the world has happened to your scalp? What do you mean?
10: Did, did he take the skin off?
8: No. No, dear. Oh, look, Mr. Feathers. There's a fuzz. Just. Yes. I do believe you're growing hair. What?
10: Let me get a look in the mirror.
8: See for yourself. Isn't that
10: something growing out your head? Good gravy. Yes, Mr. Feathers, look.
9: It is hair.
8: Oh, darling, look.
9: I ain't surprised. Why do you think I rubbed the stuff into your scalp in the first place? For exercise? Mr. Feathers, this is a sensation. If
10: I grow a head of hair, I'll let the dog burn it. I'll raise your salary.
8: Darling, did you hear that? Oh, this changes everything. (laughs) Jasper, you look like a movie star. <laughs> this is wonderful. Just
10: think, me with hair. Well, where, where do you think you're going, Mr. Feathers? I understood we was asked to leave. Asked to leave? Nothing of the kind. Why I owe you a debt of gratitude
9: I'll never be able to repay. Of course.
8: Did you hear that, dear?
9: Why then, in other words, Jasper Gowdy, I've been able to help you. I'll say you have. Then Mr. Goodboy and his radio program is vindicated.
10: Sure, sure. Now, all right, folks. Everybody into the dining room. And Mr. Feathers, how about breaking down and having a drumstick?
9: Oh no. No, sir, I wouldn't break my vegetarian vow. Howsomever, in honor of the occasion, I will have a little gravy. Good for you, <laughs> Mr. Feathers. <laughs>
1: You've been visiting with Mr. Feathers, an original story for radio written by Gerald Holland and starring Parker Fenley.
0: Mr. Feathers, on Tuned to Yesterday, a rare broadcast from what has survived from the series from November 23, 1949. And that wraps up this hour of sitcoms on Tuned to Yesterday. Be sure to be with us next time for more great programs from the golden age of radio. Until our next hour together, I'm Mark LeVanier. Thanks for listening.